0: good afternoon and good morning and welcome to the fintech open source podcast where i'm james mcleod director of community of finos and i'm joined with andrew carr and tim johnson from scott logic who are also finos members hi tim hi andrew how are you today
1: um yeah good um yeah not too bad today actually
2: yeah, yeah I'm enjoying the uh the 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 respite from the heat to be honest <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So, for people who are joining us who aren't in the UK, we've had some glorious weather, but today it's a little bit more cloudy, um, and so we're we're enjoying a bit of a bit of a break from that. Okay. So, so Andrew and Tim, before we actually start with um, the main bulk of our questions um, today, can you actually start by telling us a little bit about yourselves and your role within the Scott Logic team?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm Andrew Carr. Um, I'm the head of consultancy for the uh, Bristol office in Scott Logic which basically means that I run uh, the Bristol office. Uh, And ScottLogic are a uh, UK consultancy that have traditionally uh, focused on capital markets and I guess more generally financial services now. Uh, And our our kind of general kind of remit is providing high quality developers. And I guess the reason why, uh, yeah, we're interested in synthetic data generation is a lot of our clients talk to us about it all the time. is it, it's definitely of interest to me, and it definitely seems to be of interest to
0: our clients. And how about yourself, Tim? Maybe if you can give us an introduction to to you and and how you fit into the team at Scott Logic.
2: Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So my name's Tim Johnson. I'm a delivery manager, and I've been at Scott Logic for a couple of months or so now. Um, I actually started on the sixteenth of March, which is when the uh, the lockdown. Uh, kicked off which a bit of a unusual time to, uh, to start a new job um, meant I was in the in the office for a single day to get to know people uh, to see some faces before uh, adapting to this new remote way of working um, but it was interesting in that we ended up doing some work that involved test data generation and Andrew Carr asked me to um, to to work on that. And even though that I hadn't used Data Helix before and was new to Scott Logic, um, I was able to use the tool, uh, which has kind of led to this, uh, this webinar.
0: So, for those who don't know Scott Logic, can you tell me a little bit about Scott Logic and how you're positioned in financial services and also within the open source industry?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, I guess the person who kicked off Scott Logic is Gary Scott. Uh, while he used to work at Lehman Brothers. And, and Gary always used to have the challenge of finding really high-quality developers uh, from a consultancy. He could hire them in London, although that was always challenging. But whenever he reached out to a consultancy to get similar-caliber developers, he'd always find that the consultancies would provide him with... Well, they, they weren't quite the the kind of caliber he was looking for. and And so Gary actually decided to... Move back uh, to his northeast, where he, he grew up, and actually try and hire some of the great PhD students and really clever students from the the regions. Uh, Newcastle being the first one, uh, and then sell those services back to uh, some of the uh, investment banks. and Lehman Brothers was our first major client, and and since then uh, it's just gone from strength to strength. And uh, because you know we've tended to sell the service that we know had a demand. Uh, to the people like Gary in the banks, uh, we've built uh, a business around, uh, at least to start with, uh, selling uh, developers uh, to, to traditionally capital markets, but now more broadly to energy trading, to, to some government work as well, but very much in the mold that we started, which is, uh, you know, a, low in, a less fewer number of very high caliber people.
0: I personally know that open source is a big part of the Scott Logic um, culture. Can you explain how this works and how open source benefits the teams and your clients?
1: That's an excellent question. So, I mean, certainly, um, as you know, Colin Everhart, who's, um, I guess, a, a Finos director, is a huge supporter of uh, the open source community. So, I guess one of the reasons why Scott Logic is so supportive. Is because we we have buy-in from such a senior level in Scott Logic, and uh, as you know, Colin is uh, a bit of a I don't know where he gets the time from. I suspect Colin isn't human, but he he seems to do a a long day at work, uh, and then he seems to you know submit code to I don't know how many open source projects, and I think you know from a Scott Logic point of view, uh, we you know we've seen that um, you know in in the the banks and 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 financial services in general that actually a lot of them were reinventing the wheel every time so you know each bank would have their own messaging system and each would have their own piece of software to write uh, to a database and actually i think they all started to become aware that actually there was a lot of open source software out there that did a lot of this for them and why were they reinventing the wheel every time so i think you know the banks seem to start to get very interested in using the open source software and from our point of view um because colin's so um, you know, so keen on on just committing to open source software and being part of the community, that kind of brought um, SotLogic along in a way that I think is now pretty much in its DNA, that the, the sorts of people we hire and the sorts of, you know, things we like to do, very much want to we want to commit back uh, to the open source community and give something back and help all of us get over the bits of software that we don't want to be writing, we want to be doing the higher value stuff we don't we don't want to be writing all the the, you know the same frameworks again and again because it's just pointless so
0: today we're here to talk about data helix uh, which is one of several open source endeavors scott logic has contributed into finos can you explain the project and the origin behind the idea
1: that is an excellent question so um i guess the idea originally incubated when i used to work at Goldman Sachs. And um, we, so I used to work in the program trading uh, tech team, uh, and we used to take uh, production data uh, and then uh, anonymize it and put it into our test environments. But that process would actually be quite a lot of effort. And you, you tended to want someone from the audit uh, department to actually check the data before you used it in any of the test, uh, you know, test environments. And so one of the things I've always thought would be useful then would be to actually have a synthetic generation tool that could generate the data, whatever volume you like, and actually take that problem away so you don't even need to get data from production. Uh, so I guess the idea kind of incubated when I was at GS, uh, but then it wasn't until I joined Scott Logic, um, was maybe a year into Scott Logic, uh, and I was talking to a couple of testers in a restaurant, and, and I asked them, would, Do you think this would be useful? And their, their response was absolutely. And so that's, I guess, what kicked off the project.
0: So Tim, I understand you're new to the Data Helix team. Can you explain the immediate benefits of Data Helix and how straightforward the project is to
2: leverage? Yeah, I think the basics are that it it really is pretty easy to um, quickly generate lots and lots of data. Um, And I've seen similar issues that um, Andrew's described, but in completely different um, industries where you're kind of obliged to test with production data because um, you want to do some testing and there's nothing else available um, and you've got all that that worry that um, that, that you, you do something that um, is against the regulations there's lots of checking and, and delays um, introduced so having the ability to quickly generate lots of data frees you from all that um, so I see those as the, the main benefits and yeah basically if I can if I can use it as a delivery manager, if not uh, not uh, done anything hands on for for a good while, um, it kind of shows how easy it is to use. Um, the online playground where you can just use the tool without installing anything is is very useful. The examples really help to understand how to get going and the documentation is really detailed. so when you you've, you're looking at a nuance of something, then there's, there's lots of supporting documentation to go with it.
0: So I understand Data Helix is being used by the Scott Logic teams. Do you have any examples of where Data Helix has been used to drive a positive outcome, either within your teams or with your clients?
2: Yeah, there's there's a, a couple of examples. Um, one is going back um, last year, um, and this was a a financial customer where Scott Logic was um, involved with making some functional changes to the system. And there was a concern that it was going to affect the performance of that that live system. There was a request to use um, production data because there was nothing else uh, available, um, but it was just, the data was just too sensitive to use. And there was a possibility that it was gonna go go straight to live, which um, obviously would be very risky but DataHelix was able to generate um, this sort of scale of data that was needed for testing It generated 180 million rows of data um, in bulk. And the re- the, because that could be done so easily, it meant that there could be multiple iterations of, of proving the software. So the API could be tested against the data, some tweaks were being made to tune the performance and it'd be run again and again. And that meant that the uh, deployment to production could go smoothly um, without without taking up big risk so that 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 was um, that was a great benefit and it's it's still live work we've not got to the end of it yet but uh, there's some current work for a government client where data helix is being used to um, help functionally test a replacement system um, to help prove that it can take um, the, the heavy current load that the legacy system is under. Uh, so DataHelix has been used and this is this where I've been involved to model the data in the current system and show that the new system can handle it. Uh, but yes, that, that is live work and that continues to this day.
0: So for those looking to take advantage of Data Helix, they can find it on, on the FinOS organization on GitHub. But can you explain how people can actually start contributing to the Data Helix project?
2: Yes, it's it's a a simple matter of of um, following the, the link to the um, documentation in GitHub. There's a as well as a a user guide um, and a getting starting guide. There is a developer guide, and that um, talks you through uh, the basics of of raising uh, good issues. Um, but it also, also uh, describes how to basically take a fork of the code that's there, have your own version, have a play with it. And if there's something you'd like to contribute back, then that can be submitted as a pull request um, for for review by the whole team.
0: And for those wanting to use Data Helix in development, how much data can you actually generate through Data Helix?
2: As far as I'm aware, we've not, not uh, found a limit yet. Um, the, the architecture is is, um, is is such that um there's only a limited amount of information that needs to be held in memory it will it will calculate what it needs to calculate write it out um, and then start the process again so the the memory doesn't grow over time so as, as far as wherever you can generate as much as you like
0: and i suppose with data helix being an open source project for any ideas or any features that could potentially be on the roadmap, you would always um, welcome people to join the team and you know maybe raise pull requests or get involved somehow.
2: Absolutely, yeah, that's uh, what open source is all about. So if there's uh, it's a, if there's a common uh, need, common use case, then uh, yeah, please let's all work on this together. So during a,
0: a webinar that you did with Finos. One of our um, attendees actually asked, "Would it be possible for the tool to inspect an existing database schema and use this as implicit input to create synthetic data?"
1: Yeah, I, uh, I saw <laughs> I saw that question during the webinar, and actually, that's a really insightful question. Um, we've we've actually been prototyping that, so we built a component called a profiler that actually looks at a live database and then generates the profile that's used um, by the data generator to generate synthetic data. So we very much are thinking along those lines. Now it turns out it's a really hard space. So while we've started a prototype in it, uh, it's quite early doors. And actually uh, one of the other great projects within Finos is the data hub, which has just been submitted by Paul Groves of City. And he's been having similar thoughts in is that a good approach to go down? So I think we're gonna end up having quite a few discussions in that space. Um, and um, we're gonna have, I guess, conversations about, you know, how would we approach that if that is the right way? Uh, how far have we got in our prototype and what Paul's thoughts are and, and what everyone else thinks as well. And I think it definitely seems to be demand around that. So I think it's definitely an area for us to look at. And I think it's quite an exciting approach and
0: i suppose if you're able to create a profiler that does all of the the schema mapping this would reduce the amount of code and configuration done by a developer in advance
1: oh absolutely and it will actually get much more accurately like what the data you're trying to uh, replicate is um it means that it will it, <laughs> it will replicate the the data waltz and all uh, so it could give you a highly accurate a representation of the data that you're using in, for example, a production system. And one of the benefits of doing it that way is then the profile that's generated from looking at that production data would be a, a, a very much smaller summarized subset, and someone in audit could easily review that, whereas clearly someone in audit is not going to review a whole production database. That's clearly just not not going to be viable. So I think I think it is, it's, it's an approach that I think, in theory, has got a lot of legs. But there are some technical challenges in, in how you do that.
0: So with your reference to Data Hub, which is another Finos project, can you explain why it's important for firms to contribute to open source alongside consuming and leveraging available technologies?
1: That is an excellent question. I think ultimately the only way that we're all gonna get ahead and get over the building, you know, all the same components again and again and again is by clubbing together and um, building these components that we all use, the the components that help support us so that we end up doing the higher value, the components that the business is actually want, as opposed to building a synthetic data generator. For example, I mean, Citigroup don't make their money from synthetic data generation. They make it from selling their financial services products. So the fact that, you know, Paul ends up having to build uh, a synthetic data generator at City because they have that as a need, means that he's taken away from building you know value added features for city that help their lines of businesses now it totally makes sense he's building that because actually it helps them check their systems work and and helps them build the products but actually these supporting components i think they should all be open source and we should all build them and contribute and that way you know the developers actually you know concentrate on the value-added features
0: and finally can you talk a little bit about Scott Logic's involvement in Finos and what the future looks like?
1: Um, I know very much. It has very strong support within Scott Logic. Uh, Colin Eberhart, who's obviously a director, one of the directors at Finos, is very, very keen in open source software. And uh, I know uh, from him building uh, the D3FC component. Plus, also, you know, I obviously kicked off the Data Helix. It's great being at Scott Logic because you get such buying from Colin when you come up with these ideas. When I got a team of developers to build the first prototype of the Data Helix, Colin was very keen to talk about whether that was open sourceable and whether we should contribute it to Finos. So I think you know from our point of view we're very very keen because I don't want my clients just to have synthetic data generation problems. They all have that as a problem, and they all want to get over that so they can concentrate on their higher added features. So, you know, the fact that we all contribute and having, you know, Paul submit the data hub and us do the uh, data helix, it means that now we're having conversations about how do we solve these problems together so that we all benefit? Because ultimately, if we find a way to plug these components in, we'll all benefit and we'll all have to, you know, expend less time on it.
0: And that's amazing. And I'm really pleased that you've managed to find, you know, synergy with um, the data hub team across Finos um and as you say we are a massive community of um contributors into open source and it's really good to to have you know the scott logic team and and others you know as part of the foundation um and with that i'd like to thank um both andrew carr head of consultancy in bristol in the uk and tim johnson delivery manager of scott logic who are a Finos member who um, joined me today for the Finos podcast that you're listening to. So thank you very much, both Andrew and
2: Tim.
1: Thank you very much, James. Pleasure. Nice speaking to you.
0: Cheers.
2: Thank you.